Yeah, hello everybody. Welcome to the fourth episode of the One Mate, One Dude podcast. I'm Bill the Dude from the US, and today our good mate Joe is back from his hiatus. How are you doing today, Joe? Very good, thanks, Bill. It's nice to be back from the academic gulag. But um, I'm not actually out of it, but you know, I'm always in it. Um, yeah, always, yeah. right? And that's- it's just good to, you know, take some time out and just talk some took some shit for a bit right yeah and, and that's that's what we're <laughs> gonna be doing joe like we always do um so yeah. today as i'm sure uh, you all heard from our episode 3.5 uh we're just gonna be talking about um the recent happenings um that have been going on against um asians recently just because uh we are compelled to do so based on our background and based um on how important we feel it is to sort of um bring more positive positivity in terms of um uh those happenings so right so the happenings that that have been going on um joe i guess um i guess have you been keeping up with everything that's been going on yeah um to be fair it's if if you have social media it's like it's quite hard to avoid um some of the things that are being shared around surrounding um asian hate crime recently um, there's been some horrific videos being shared around, right? Uh, particularly like the elderly Asian people being attacked on the streets. And we've seen the Atlanta, what was it? The, the shootings, right? In Atlanta? Right. So there's been shootings. Um, there's been beatings in New York City. Um, also, um, a lot of violent acts in San Francisco, in the UK as well. Um, there have been um, attacks against educators, uh, mainly women, as well as elderly people. Um, but right, that's something, mm-hmm. um, if you all haven't heard about that, I'm sure you could find a lot more news about that um, on Google or if you don't have social media, just um, good old paper news if, if you prefer that type of stuff. Um, but right, what we want to do today, though, is we don't want to focus specifically specifically on that, but we do want to bring to light or at least focus on some of the um, inspiring and positive things that um, people from our back background have uh, brought to our respective countries. Um, so mm. instead of just, uh, I guess, talking about the grim details of, of uh, these attacks and, and all that stuff, like the news has been focused on, um, we do just want to sort of, I guess, share some Asian uh, leaders and, and figures that have uh, sort of inspired us. Um, so yeah, I guess, good. yeah, so I think it's, it's important. I think it's important. Like we, we kind of use our platform, right. To, to just spread the message as well at, at the, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's good to just also reflect upon some of the inspiring figures that, that we've seen recently, uh, who also represent, I guess, Asians as a whole as well. Yeah, essentially, um, there have been, um, uh, political movements um, that have been, um, I guess, sort of advocating for more um, policies for Asians. Um, in the U.S., Biden has been sort of pushing for that um, in, in more of a, I guess it's it's been more through, I guess, um, giving um, money to, cer- certain, um, to certain departments and groups. Um, but right, I guess we'll, we'll do what we, we can do since um, we're not involved in that. Um, I guess directly, but right. I guess we can start with you, Joe. Um, 
I guess sure. in terms of Asian figures, um, do you have a specific one that really just, you know, really, you know, makes your eyes light up um, before you go to bed? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's too far, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I'm a big motorsports guy. Um, for those who don't know, I fo- I follow Formula One quite closely uh, since I was quite young. Um, and this is one new chap called Yuki Tsunoda. He was the first ever driver to be born in the 2000s as well in Formula One. Oh man, young Yeah, guy. he's young man, there's, there's, <laughs> there's some drivers there who've been dr- driving in F1 for 20 years. The same amount of time as he's been alive, which is crazy. That is insane. So like, I get, Kimi, uh, yeah, it's like um, I think he's I think he's going to be twenty one in May. I think, um, but yeah, this, this guy is Yuki. He's um, he's from Japan, and out of the twenty drivers, he's the only uh, Asian from yeah from Asian descent. He's the only driver from Asian descent. Sorry. Wow, um, it's crazy, right? Out of twenty drivers, but yeah, it's predominantly. Um, the field, the grid is made up by a lot of, um, I guess, white males as well. Um, mm. But it's nice to see, you know, amidst all of the negative press around um, Asian hate crimes and stuff, it's quite refreshing to see, you know, a young Japanese kid come into the sport and he's been really well received by the F1 community. Mm. Um, everyone's been really supportive. Um, everyone's he, he's shown some really good talent on his very first race last week so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, this year as well yeah I, I think um, you mentioned um, that he was was he was the first Japanese driver to score points right um, he's no he's the first Japanese uh, rookie sorry First Japanese rookie, rookie to score points. I guess um, yeah. for those uh, who don't understand, I guess F1 formula racing, like uh, like this guy over here. Uh, I guess how how much does that mean, um, like in terms of uh, the sport? It's quite significant, especially as a rookie um, in F1. Right, the there's only 20 drivers, and the whole world's kind of looking at those 20 drivers quite closely. So the performance in F1, your performance is easily quantifiable because mm. your lap times are recorded, your speed is recorded, your points are recorded. Mm. Um, it's not like basketball, right, where you just have a team team score and you have some individual analysis. But in F1, everything is measured. Mm. Um, and there's not been a, I think there's not been a driver in five years who scored on their rookie race. So... Wow, it's quite wow. a, it's quite a big deal, especially now that his engine is being manufactured by Honda, and they're pulling out next year. They're they're leaving the sport, so it's like you know, there's, there's some huge Japanese pride in there. You know, you got a Japanese driver who's really talented and young, and representing Honda as well. So yeah, it's just a really good good partnership to see. Absolutely, I'll I'll definitely keep an eye out for for young Yuki here and in the future for F1. All right, Joe, you just mentioned basketball, actually, um, and that's actually the next topic I wanted to uh, move on to is um, I'm sure you've heard of um, Jeremy Lin, um, the, origin, the original, I guess, um, Asian, bas- the, <laughs> most, the original, I guess, I don't know, <laughs> in my lifetime at least, I'm sure there, there have been plenty 
of Asian athletes like in the 90s and in the 80s but for I think for us or at least for me the main one has been Jeremy Lin just based on what he was able to do um I don't know if you remember his time um when there was a point in the NBA where everybody was just talking about insanity because this guy was actually was absolutely going off his rocker he was mm-hmm. dropping buckets getting dimes um Kobe mm-hmm. even there there was this uh time when um they interviewed Kobe Bryant about uh, about Jeremy uh, rest in peace Kobe um but Kobe just said I have no idea who you're talking about and then um the very next Ooh. game that they played um Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lin actually he he put himself on the map he dropped 38 eight points on a on a fantastic uh, Lakers team so that was a wow. monumental moment um that was back in what I don't know 2012 um now he, Jeremy's um over 30 he's really used his platform to advocate for um Asian Americans and Asians uh, across um the world um he's been essentially the main spokesperson f- uh, during these um, anti-Asian hate hate uh, crime attacks. So he's definitely um, really developed as, as a, um, I guess, as an influencer, and not only in Asia, but also in, in the West. Um, but right, I think we, we do good, have yeah. to, uh, yeah, just for, for me, he's he's always been a, a an inspirational character for me since, I don't know, back in high school, but now it's just... Uh, growing up, you see um, how much um, how much he's developed and how much um, how much he's giving, I guess, back back to mm-hmm. the Asian community. It must have been like good to to grow up seeing like um, you got I uh, got an Asian on the court as well. It's like inspiring, you know. It's like it's it's possible that someone could make it, right? Right, because uh, obviously, like in in Western sports, especially American sports, Asians aren't necessarily. Um, I guess we're not the go-to guy in terms of major sports such as um, mm-hmm. at least football, basketball, um, baseball. There's there's uh, quite a few. Um, what what else? Um, hockey definitely not. <laughs> but mm-hmm. right, basketball was a big one just because obviously I I'm, I'm a big basketball guy, so that was huge for me. Um, you just see this um, see this Asian guy just dropping buckets in, in the NBA, which is, um, th- which doesn't have a whole lot of diversity. Yeah. So, um, exactly. Smart guy as well, right? He's, he's, smart, yeah, he, he's a Harvard guy too. Um, yeah, I think he, the perfect, the perfect, Asian. the perfect <laughs> Asian. Like I'm sure he, like all our parents were shitting on us when, um, <laughs> when insanity was happening. Cause like, why can't you be like that? Huh? Why can't you go nah. to Harvard, get, get buckets and, you know, get a pluses in, at Harvard. So yeah, yeah but our parents would be like, yeah, he went to Harvard, but it doesn't matter he's in the NBA, NBA but, you know, he's in Harvard. <laughs> he's in Harvard, right. Like, who who <laughs> cares important. about the NBA? You know, that's just... NBA? What? What is that a university? Never. <laughs> 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 Must be new type of... Uh, New type of major, right? It's it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's the upgraded yeah. version of an MBA. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, uh, another, I guess, another Asian figure I also wanted to um, bring up is um, a very, um, I guess, maybe overshadowed athlete, uh, Chloe Kim. Um, she was actually 
the youngest woman to win an Olympics uh, snowboarding medal for the U.S. Um, at the age of 17. Wow. Um, so, right, she's 17. 17, yeah, it's absolutely insane. Um, but she was actually a first-generation immigrant from um, South Korea. And after her, her gold medal, she was actually... So she posted a lot of um, her... Obviously, when you win something like that at such a young age, you're going to be proud of it, right? Um, Definitely. So she was actually actually heavily uh, um, ridiculed on social media just um, by, I guess... I don't know if you want to call them jealous uh, people, but there was not a whole lot of positivity. There were there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, like this medal should have gone to um, another person of another race, um, so to speak." So, um, right, yeah, that was hers. It, it is hers, and I think that's definitely important to um, race aside. It's just like. If if someone's representing your country and and they win something like that, you should you know be supportive. If it's if it's more if if it's more about the country winning, then why not be supportive? If you're gonna exactly. specifically make it about race, I think that makes it um, I think very questionable. You know, are are you really mm-hmm. are you really advocating for you wanting to U.S. win or is it you just want your own child? To win this Olympic medal because you want to tell people, um, I don't know, my daughter won won this um, won this award um, mm-hmm. at, at the Olympics. Obviously, the Olympics are like the highest the highest tier of, um, I guess, um, sports. I guess, Sport, yeah, one of the most renowned sporting events like and, in the world, right? Yeah, ever. Yeah, that's yeah, but that's that's something um, that. Um, I'm sure a lot of Asian athletes have have um, had to go through. Um, mm. I know with with Jeremy Lin, with um, there was this recent occurrence of him. So apparently there was uh, he. So he was he's been playing the G League uh, this past um, this past year, just um, in order to sort of try to get back into the NBA. But um, mm. during one of his games, apparently someone called him coronavirus. Um, yeah, yeah. So he immediately brought that to attention, um, and I think, I think what he was, he really advocated for sort of, I guess, more open dialogue and and sort of saying if if this sort of thing happens to you, you should definitely sort of um, bring it to light just so it can be addressed. Um, yeah, for sure. You got to stand up for that shit. You got to. St- you absolutely do, because you can't just you know. If nothing's going to change unless you stand up for it, that's I think that's the main message in America, and I'm sure it's similar to the to the UK, if not identical. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of uh, in terms of sports, just because I believe it has one of the largest, um, it's a huge part of what entertainment. Um, so a lot of people give attention to it. So it's it's a great platform to sort of um, see athletes using that to. Um, advocate for for racial justice definitely Um, yeah yeah if they let it slide right if they just let it slide on such a big platform with someone with you know such influence it's like is you don't want to back down from that right you want to show that it's okay to to stick up for yourself to stand up for yourself and and fight back you know and have some respect for your own identity 
Absolutely. Um, because there's been this conception of um, sort of us Asians as being the model minority, so to speak. Um, and with recent protests, like people of our background, we don't necessarily want to be seen as that, as mm. as this mi- model minority of, um, oh, we're just sort of in the background. We don't want to, to advocate for change. Um, we don't want to... Um, we're not bystanders. Any, we're not bystanders. We're, we do want to make noise, but at the same time, um, I guess we're sort of still finding our own way in, 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 certain, in certain areas. But I think mm-hmm. when, when athletes do that, I think it, it gives a huge push and, and it, empower, it empowers a lot of people to do so. Um, and I guess Jeremy Lin and, and Chloe Kim have definitely uh, done that um, um, in, in their own sports. And I, I, you know, I applaud them. I applaud them for that. Yeah, much um, respect. It's good. It's just nice for someone, you know, that young achieving something like that. And it's it's just a good image, I think, um, to represent, I guess, America, but have have respect for your own ethnicity as well. Yes. Uh, that's something that, I don't know, people always want to, want to, or I, I guess not always, but sometimes people, they want to make race a number one thing. Um but it should if it's about nationality then you know I guess going just be back, proud yeah just, just be, be proud, proud you want it yeah she's won it for you you know she's won, like, yeah exactly so why should I don't know especially like to be to target a young 17 year old that's nah, I think that's, that's kind of low that's really low yeah someone who's just won gold for America it's like come on mate yeah. <laughs> like well, what, what's wrong like who hurt you who hurt you <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not nice when someone ignores someone's achievements but focuses on the way they look and like, you know, they're not the typical American athlete look, you know, like, you know, screw those guys, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's um I guess that, that's that's something that I we should definitely always be motivated to to sort of break those stereotypes. Um that's I guess I don't know. Always sort of being seen as as the underdog does sort of give you that chip on your shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. So you wake up every morning. You look in, you look yourself in the mirror. You're like, all right, I gotta. Um, like, I guess I always have this. I'm gonna be perceived as as um, um, I guess the underdog. I guess so to speak. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think. I think in terms of sports, um, it's it's coming along. But I mean, I know our, our the Asian culture also advocates for so much, um, for so much. I guess um, being studious, being um, being um, focused on the books, very very oh, yeah. education centered. Um, but I think Have that's a safe career, <laughs> safe quote, quote unquote safe and and socially acceptable. Um, yeah, but I think we can talk about that. We can talk about that stuff a little bit later, right? As well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but I guess for now, uh, I did mention sports as being um, part of the entertainment industry. Um, Joe, I think you mm-hmm. were telling me about um, en- entertainers that sort of inspired you as well. Sure. Um, have you seen Parasite? <laughs> of course, I love that. Movie. Of course, uh, I love well, that movie. Yeah, last year was pretty. 
quite a breakthrough moment, right, for for South Korean um, film industry in how they how it was the first non English film to win the Oscars, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's that was big, massive, huge. Um, you got Ang Lee, who who was the first Asian director to to win it with Life of Pi. That's also a good film. Oh, great! And then, great film, great and book. Bong Bong Joon Ho was the f- Korean film director for Parasites, and he he stole the night, didn't he? Of a really big American reward show, mm-hmm. and he was hugely applauded. And um, it was great for him to come up on the expect um, acceptance speech and be comfortable when talking in Korean and have it translated. Right? It's like this is my language. This is my film. My film is in Korean. If you don't like it, then you know. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Too bad. You're missing out on something, right? Uh huh. It's like when he said, "Once you overcome the one-inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films." And that's absolutely true. One hundred percent. Um, yeah, I, I had a, I actually had had a a friend. He was um telling me about these Korean dramas on, um, Netflix. And I was like, "Whoa, what?" Because I, I mean, now. yeah, apparently, like I don't, I haven't been on the on the uh, the uh, net, Netflix pat- platform in a while, but apparently, like K K dramas have been making a huge push in in that in that realm, huh? Absolutely. Um, most of my friends um, from here are like you know, they always talk about it. Um, I watched a few before, but not as not as into it as as my friends but it's definitely huge and they're making a big infiltration <laughs> Infil- <laughs> <Into> infiltration <laughs> stealing the um you know the typical netflix shows really right. it's good though it's really good no I, i've heard really good things um based on what i've heard um apparently they're very good shows just because you can never guess what's happening like that's the i've <laughs> I've I've heard that you you because you have no idea what's gonna happen because these these uh these directors are just very creative and and they always you know sort of right when they lead you to think one thing's gonna happen they steer you away and then you're like what is going on um but right I, I'm that's that's something that um I would I definitely appreciate in in um uh, in TV just because I I feel like we've gotten to sort of this like this. Mm-hmm this dull point where it's like you always know what's going to happen yeah yeah I mean it's it's a different style isn't it of directing like uh, Bong Joon-ho's got a very uh, dark style um, in the way he writes like Parasite itself was it had so many metaphorical like scenes right mm-hmm. um, and he just yeah the way he, he portrays it the way he, he lays it out is really unique, um, but yeah, it, in the, in the Hollywood um, awards, it was just a really big moment for for South Korea. Not only South Korea, but I suppose foreign films as well. That there is a chance, um, you know, that's going to be widely and well well received by Western Western award shows. Absolutely, and and I'm sure that's going to slowly develop more as. Um, uh, I guess as as um, 
more directors and more filmmakers they sort of uh, chase their not only their their I guess their their writing and their scripts but also they're doing that um, through their own culture and, and their racial background so that's definitely something special um, definitely whenever um, I guess whenever I hop on back into that onto that Netflix platform you may or mm. not me catching uh, catch me um, <laughs> binge, binging on some um, love show man. some oh, some okay. k-drama <laughs> love show um yeah that's that's definitely um worth keeping an eye out on but um speaking of um uh i guess k-dramas um i think um we also have actually a dj here um of of a korean background i'm actually huge into um her music um uh, her name is um, Peggy Go. For those who haven't heard, Peggy Goo, bro. Peggy, Peggy Goo. Goo. Are you Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, wow. I'm. I, I just learned something on on the podcast here. Um, Peggy Goo. Um, I, I guess I should let you let you tell tell me about her, Joe, since I just butchered her name. Yeah, that was appalling, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, Peggy Goo. She's she started off, I guess, into fashion. Actually, she studied in London and. You know, she wasn't quite sure what she was wanted to do, and she kind of got into like vinyls and and techno, and started to pick it up herself. And then all of a sudden, she went to Berlin to to kind of do all this stuff, and she got really popular. Mm. Her music has Korean lyrics in it. Um, it was her fan base grew like crazy, um, especially in the UK when I was at university a few years ago. Mm. Um, it's it's just really good to see how she's breaking into an industry where it's quite dominated by a, by a male DJs actually the techno scene is hugely you know made up of male DJs um, and also European as well mm. and for someone who is you know South Korean female making huge waves it's like whoa this is this is a big like big thing right Right. Um, you know she's paved her way in inspiring younger female artists to to join in and Asian as well right Mm -hmm. breaking the cultural norm breaking the industry standard I guess or or the the industry norm Uh, but yeah she's really credible at the moment Um, yeah we might I think we should end this like podcast with us with a soundtrack right for sure oh in honor of Peggy Goo yeah, just just so she doesn't. Absolutely. Hopefully, she forgives me for butchering her name. Um, but <laughs> right, if if you guys um, want to check out her music, um, I'm sure we can leave a link um, in in our description box later on. Um, but right, she she's um, if you're into uh, techno, if you're into house, like that's that's definitely a, um, a must listen. Um, yeah, she's named it like she sometimes refers it to K House. Which K House. Like, oh, that's yeah, that's different. That's different. Very different. You know how like innovative that is when she she can direct like a new kind of her own realm of music, right? Her own kind of branch of um, of music category, which is madness. Yeah. No, I, I heard she was um she's supposed to be doing um some shows in the UK soon, huh? Yeah. Mm, when it opens up, um, we've got a few festivals lined up, so I think she'll she'll make an appearance. 
mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she, she's she's quite well known in Europe, so especially in in the Netherlands and Berlin. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's good. It's 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 just amazing to to see, I guess, diversity now in in the music industry, especially where in techno it's quite untapped for for a female Korean <laughs> to be in. So. Yeah, no, I, I'll definitely keep an eye out for um, hopefully uh, any opportunities to uh, go check out one of her events. So, but yeah, just um, I guess steering the the wheel here to, to something more serious than um, Joe, uh, I actually have my, my next um, figure here as, um, so I'm sure many of you have also heard of um, Andrew Yang. Um, he's very um, well-known uh, entrepreneur and um, sort of, as well as um, dipped his toes a little bit in, in uh, education. He is the founder of Venture for America, which is a nonprofit organization that that brings um, young entrepreneurs to um, to cities in the U.S. who need, I guess, an economic push. Um, but right, um, he is he was actually a former Democratic presidential candidate. Um, so that sort of brings um, you an idea of, I guess, how much influence um, he has. I know it's 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 a sharp turn going from um, Peggy Goo DJing in Berlin to you know Andrew Yang, uh, yeah. <laughs> Andrew Yang um, transition, trend, trend, you know Andrew Yang, I guess, making speeches um, in front of the in front of the uh, the White House. Uh, right currently he is um, the leading mayoral candidate for for New York City so uh, keep an eye out for for uh, him for those of you um, in the area uh, but he he's also a huge um, he's a huge advocator for uh, job growth in in the United States um, just because he sees the different how much how much automation, um, is happening and how much um, that's taking away jobs. Um, but right, sorry, Joe. Sorry to cut you off. No, I was just mentioning like inequality, right, of of different um, financial backgrounds of people and how that's linked to race. I think he's been speaking up for that as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, in terms of, I guess, in terms of race inequality, he's been a huge advocate for that. Um, for um, for BLM, Black Lives Matter, for um, Latino groups in, in New York City, as well as Asian groups, um, he's he's been a huge advocator. Um, also, a very well well known uh, spokesperson, probably right behind or up there with with Jeremy Lin. Um, but mm. yeah, I've I've actually been um, recently uh, reading his his book, uh, The War Against Normal People, where his his um, he he's been sort of really outlining this this growing divide between um, the uh, upper class and the lower class, um, and that's slowly, I guess, starting to get um, more severe as um, as we we move forward here. But right, that, I think he seems like a very genuine um, candidate, which is sort of rare to see in politics. Um, so th- that's one reason I'm, I'm sort of rooting for him, um, or I am rooting for him. Um, but, <laughs> but Andrew Yang for president, yeah. Andrew, I mean, for I hope he gets. I I hope he, I hope he wins the mayor 
mayoral election first for New York City because that's a good stepping stone. Sure. Um, but he has this whole concept of universal basic income, um, UBI, which um, he got from um, Alaska, where it's they they take a certain percentage of um, from um, those large conglo- conglomerate con- corporations such as Amazon um, or Disney, and they um, they take that um, money and then they give it back to. Um, residents say a thousand dollars per month and he advocates that that would most likely um jump start the the economy especially after um covid um mm. right that, the recovery plan right right um right some of these companies have grown massively over the covid season right, right? yeah and a lot of people have lost out a lot of people absolutely and it's sort of it's sort of uh come come to this uh standstill where it's so are we going to, um, I guess, help, I guess not necessarily help, but advocate for stronger economic growth by um, giving... Supporting, right? Supporting. Su- support Economically supporting those that need it um, mm. rather than focusing on, say, the top 1% and making sure um, their, um, their portfolio keeps uh, skyrocketing. Um, keep their tax, keep their tax nice their, and lean. And their tax. Make sure the S and P's up. You know all that. Right, right, um, but right. That that's something. Um, Andrew Yang is very. He's been involved in quite a bit of different, um, different uh, fields. Um, but check if if you guys haven't heard of him, make sure to um look him up. He's he's very inspirational uh, character in, in my opinion um, right that's something to keep um, to uh, keep an eye out in the next uh, few months especially as uh, the New York City um, election um, kicks off very soon um, all right Great. so um, next person I have here is uh, Laura Huang um, so she is actually the only um, educator here um, that we have on here just because I know Joe loves to hear about um, education so much, we don't want to keep him in the gulag, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll just briefly go over over uh, uh, Lori here. Um, so uh, she is a Harvard business professor who who wrote actually the best uh, selling novel, Edge. Um, and wow. I, I've I've finished. Um, I actually recently finished her 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 her, her book. It's um, very. I think it's very uplifting for for those. Um, for those people who, who I guess um, haven't exactly read a book that's specifically focused on their ethnicity um, and their cultural background. Um, so it's, she sort of guides, um, like uh, say f- for someone of my background, how I can use um, certain stereotypes to my advantage. Um, and I, I think it's, it's really inspiring for me um, in terms of what I can do, whether it's um, in, um, I guess, just normal center, social interaction or, or in the workplace, things like that. Um, it's right. more like a, is it like a optimistic outlook on some of the stereotypes that we get given? Uh, it's not so much optimistic because um, she's actually, her, her a lot of her research was based on entrepreneurship. Um, so right. she sort of... Um, gauged how entrepreneurship um, 
people in entrepreneurship viewed others based on on their their backgrounds and and, and their race, whether it's economic or or ethnic. Um, mm-hmm. But right, it, it was it's very her research is very um, it's very eccentric in, in that it's um, her she was sort of. I guess because she went to a small school, um, did her mm. PhD at, at a non uh, at a school that was not particular particularly well known, and then mm-hmm. to become a Harvard business professor based on her background, I think it's, I guess it shows what sort of um, how I guess how eccentric she is. I guess. Yeah, definitely got to be ambitious, right? To to climb up to that to that stage <laughs> for sure. Right. Yeah, no, so I, I definitely think I, for those of you who haven't checked out her book, um, please make sure to check it out. It's um, called Edge, and she also has, um, in, in her beginning um, parts, she actually talks about how her, um, she interacted and was able, actually able to get an interview with, um, I, I'm, I'm sure you know about this, Joe. Um, Who's this? Yeah, I don't know. I think you might know this guy. Maybe. Maybe? Yeah. It's, it's some guy named Elon. Who the hell is he? I don't know. Elon Musk, baby. <laughs> but yeah, it was... It was uh, yeah, I throw him in, isn't it? It just, just had to. You know, just had to. Uh, That's impressive, though. You know, to, no, it's, to get into the same same room with that guy. Yeah. No, and she was, she was at Tesla. Um, I mean, I won't get into it just because I... For for those of you who, who are actually um, want to um, I guess learn about that and and what she writes about, um, uh, please feel free to check out her book. Um, all right, just I guess we'll move down the line here. Um, um, going back going to, on a on the theme of entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, on the, on the theme of entrepreneurs. Um, so going to um, Will Shu here. Um, I'm sure for those of you in the UK. Um, or the Netherlands, or or Germany, or or Hong Kong, um, or where else? I don't know. This Deliveroo. This is Will Will Shu is the founder of Deliveroo, and his um, um, his his um, delivery com- company has expanded to multiple parts. All the all those places that that I just mentioned. Um, he uh, he was actually cities apparently. Yeah, 200 cities um, all throughout Europe, throughout Asia. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's made huge, 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 huge strides. I'm a huge fan because he's actually a... He's actually originally from um, the U.S., but he was a, he was a, a Morgan Stanley... Um, I guess I want to... We'll call him... A, We'll call him an uh, investment banker who was working in London before he started uh, Deliveroo with his childhood friend um, uh, and software and and software en- engineer um, Greg Orlowski. Um, and now through his hard work um, and his first back in 2012, right? Right. Was that when back he to 20, he started in 2012, um, and he actually began. Um, he he noticed that how difficult it was to sort of. Um, get food at like say during lunchtime or or um i guess even even during uh-huh. the weekend if if you were just at home um so this is i'm with sure a headache. This, with a headache right or just you know with <laughs> with swollen feet um or just tired feet i guess um 
All right. He actually started Deliveroo. He began um, for the first eight months in order to to understand the customer experience on on the ground level. He uh, personally uh, became the the company's first delivery person. So he would go door to door delivering food um, by using um, the, the first prototype of Deliveroo. Um, so I, that obviously that made me a huge fan um, of Will Shu. I actually didn't know about him until um, Joe mentioned him um, before. So I'm, I'm honestly, and the fact that he's still um, doing this, he's still um, making deliveries um, occasionally. Um, occasionally. Occasionally, right? personally. Obviously, obviously, he doesn't have to do it every <laughs> every day anymore. But he he's still, you know. Coincidentally, when he's being filmed, I'm joking. Coincidentally, <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I mean, any publicity is good publicity, eh? <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, it's good. He's definitely, he's definitely grinded, you know, f- for a long time to to uh, reach to this point where we've had the recent IPO um, of yeah. Deliveroo on the stock exchange. Yeah, Although it didn't go, it didn't go swimmingly. Um, but yeah, we won't go into too much detail. I mean, he's he's still um, Deliveroo is still valued at at least uh, five billion pounds. So that's he should he should be doing all right. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, all the best. All all the best to uh, to Mr. Shu. Um, but such a huge fan. Um, but right, just moving along here then. Um, uh, so next person we have here is. Um, uh, Sadiq Khan, who um, is actually the mayor of London, um, he is, I believe, London's very first um, mayor of uh, Pakistani ba- um, ethnicity. So th- that was a huge, um, I guess, movement for London, and especially since I believe it is considered the most uh, diverse city in the UK, if I'm not correct. Um, yeah, by far. Yeah. Right, so it has to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it, I think there's like 300 languages or something spoken in London or something silly like that. That is insane. That that is absolutely yeah. insane. But right, he's he's done a lot of good for the city. Although um, I've also seen plenty of mixed reviews. Um, just based on what he's been able to do for um, housing, so he actually offered a four billion pound affordable homes program um, between 2021 to 2026, um, which will provide um, well-designed social ha- housing for those um, focused on, um, I guess, providing high quality homes for um, those who, who may not be able to afford it. Um, so that should perhaps will be a push for the con- economy, um, but right in yeah, turn- Yeah, bridging the- um- Bridging the financial gap, right? The financial, uh-huh. London's made up with quite a lot of diverse, I guess, economic backgrounds. So it's always good to see something trying to link up the two somehow. And it's a, it's a monumental challenge, but at least there's some policies favored for that. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Even in, in New York City here, um, I'm not sure if you have heard of Soho, Joe, but there's been this push to... Um, build affordable housing in, in Soho, which is like one of the, um, it's pretty much like the place you go in New York City if you want to say like go shopping or 
Mm. That's weird because we got a Soho in London and in Hong Kong. It's, what? It's Soho's, it's Soho's some sort of like... Soho's everywhere. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure you get, can get an idea of what a Soho looks like in the city. And yeah, quite lively. Um, lively. In Hong yeah. Kong, it's like quite full of like bars and stuff and mm-hmm. they're, they're open quite late, you know, that sort of thing. I see. Um, Interesting. In London, there's quite a lot of restaurants in Soho. Yeah, that, no, that's the same in, in, in New York City. Um, but the, the city is actually, New York City is trying to push for um, affordable housing in that area to sort of, I guess, um, advocate for integration. And there's there's mm-hmm. been a lot of people in that area sort of pushing back. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Um, but that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and uh, Sadiq Khan here is also a running for for mayor. I think it's next year. Um, I've heard a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's going to be re-election. Re-election next year, um, um, perhaps. But he has also been, um, I guess, advocating for a lot more diversity during um, the the pandemic, which has um, also brought quite a few um, good reviews, also some bad reviews, but. Um, I guess it's it's politics. That's that's something you can never avoid. Um, There's two sides of the coin. Always. One thing to mention is, you know, the, the, the parliament in the UK, you know, out of 650 MPs, I think only a few are from, you know, Southeast Asian descent, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. I think there's only two or one. Um, Yeah. We don't want to paint a picture where just because we got Sadiq, you know, the mayor of London, it, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of um, diversity in in Parliament as well. So, absolutely, and it, just something to highlight. Absolutely, um, and the same same case can be made for for the U.S. Uh, I know um, I focused on um, Andrew Yang, and he's a Democratic. Um, can't, or he is a uh, he is from the Democratic Party, but we also have quite a few um, uh, Asians of um, East Asian background, South Asian background, and on both sides, um, Republican mm. and and liberal side. And I think, I mean, even our, our vice president, the U.S. vice president right now, she's she's half um, she's half um, Indian. So I think we're we're slowly um, starting to make that push to um, for more um, racial inclusion. Um, but I, mm. I guess that's something um, we'll. we'll talk about in a bit here um but Great. just just going back to um these ins- inspirational figures here um i know i keep mentioning new york city i don't know why but um there's also um the fung bros um the fung bros are great um great example in terms of guys who've used their platform to advocate for good um mm-hmm. i think they started out um or they're they're still on YouTube. They they advocate for um, I guess what is it? Um, they used to- they do they do a lot of basketball. They I think they started off as basketball stuff and shoes and things, and then I think over time they started making these I guess Asian Asian like information videos. I don't know. They talk a lot about like New Chinese New Year traditions, and then there's a lot about food on their channel. Yeah, I I, I, learned, I learned so much about different types of food in China because it's so big, and they go around exploring and 
just showcasing how diverse you know Southeast Asian culture is which is I suppose educational for me it's not just entertainment yeah true um, they've they've definitely um, used their, their platform to not only um, I guess bring bring light to, to culture but also um, they've they've had quite a few celebrities on there too I I, I know they've had Jeremy Lin um, they've had quite a few <laughs> few stars that that um, we haven't even mentioned yet um, Ronnie Chang that the comedian um, Jimmy O Yang um, mm. plant uh, also a comedian um, but plenty of plenty of um, I guess guests that they have um, that they've had on there just to sort of um, you know add sort of um, help, help their credibility just making, just making videos with yeah making videos with yeah so <laughs> yeah. that's definitely that's good yeah no that's they're, they're, they're definitely uh, doing well for the community um, especially the uh, Chinatown community in, in New York City and um I think in terms of social media, um, I think, Joe, you also introduced me um, to um, this um, podcast. What was it called? The the Asian Hustle Network? Yeah. Yeah. It was on Instagram. So that's Asian Hustle Network. It's, yeah, I came across it because uh, this fellow called Justin Can was on it. And essentially the, the group of, the group of people who aim to, try and link up a lot of these high profile Asian entrepreneurs, uh, just giving out advice, give, getting some guests on, uh, just trying to create this environment where I suppose it's okay. For, it's, it's like a safe space for Asians to, to kind of get together and talk about their own projects. Um, talk about some of their barriers that they're coming across when they, when they're doing a startup, just things like that. Is, I think it's a really good platform. Yeah, so so definitely give them a follow. They 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 share a lot of experiences of um, some high figure, high profile um, Asian figureheads. Um, they, they actually recently shared uh, Manny Pacquiao's post, uh, just saying "fight me instead." hashtag Stop Asian hate, which I found was like pretty funny because no one's gonna fight. <laughs> no one's gonna want to fight Manny, uh, and it's no. good. To, it's good for him to stick up like that, right? So. Right. I mean, yeah, like, the guy is a legendary boxer. So, like, what else is he gonna yeah. say? So stop attacking Asians who can't defend themselves, which is absolutely true, right? Fight Manny instead, right? <laughs> if you're up for it, right? <laughs> right. I mean, the attacks have been mostly happen happening against women, the elderly, and that's um, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. So check them out for some resources, uh, for trends. Um, yeah, definitely share some of their posts. So yeah, I recommend having a look. Absolutely. Um, but just coming back to these, um, or actually, it looks like this is our last inspiring, inspiring figure here, um, and that is uh, you mentioned uh, Justin uh, Justin Can here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just a little bit about him. He is um, he he is one of the founders of Twitch, um, and Twitch is I think it's a, a streaming website for for gamers. Um, is is that right, Joe? Yeah, streaming service. The, it's basically an app now. They're owned by Amazon since 2014. Mm. I think he started it, you know, in around when I was born, like 1997. It was just a little shoddy little website, I think, called Justin TV. Justin. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just him, um, like just showcasing some videos, and then people can 
interact with the the streamer that's literally how it started off and it's just grown into this huge platform where you know kind of rattles the the looks of you know big places like YouTube oh absolutely and he actually has his own uh, podcast out right now about I guess talking about how that how he he made that deal with with Amazon I think originally it also had to do with do with Google um yeah Google had some interest but I think that they eventually yeah. went with Amazon yeah um and called then, Twitch Twitch Prime now I think something like that Amazon Gaming or something they kind of combined it yeah yeah huh. they kind of synergized it and made made it so that Prime users can have some additional benefits on the gaming platform mm-hmm. huh well that yeah. that sounds like could potentially be worth a future uh, a <laughs> sounds future addictive episode. doesn't it <laughs> it does sound very addictive <laughs> um, but right I, I guess for our listeners keep, keep an keep an eye out for uh, any future uh, future topics on that um, yeah ch- check out Justin Can though on he's on TikTok as well and on Instagram he's got his own podcast mm. I was I was initially hooked because he just talks about uh, the day he refers back a lot to the day he was he sold it for like just under a billion dollars mm-hmm. and he was saying like he was at a friend's wedding and he was just refreshing his bank account uh-huh. waiting for the money to come in uh-huh. and it, it, just imagine that like you know hundreds of millions just coming into your bank account that and is... he was ta- he was talking about that feeling and he was just saying like once you have it it's like huh what's next kind of thing and he, and now he talks about life, and you should focus on things that you know keep you healthy, keep your relationships going. There's a lot more to life than just the money. Obviously, from his perspective, it's like a lot easier to say when <laughs> when money and finance. I agree. Isn't when he he doesn't have to worry about that yeah. <laughs> anymore, like ever. So that's so take that into consideration. But it's just nice to hear a different perspective, really. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, I'll definitely make sure to check um, his podcast out. Thanks for the suggestion, Joe. Um, but just speaking of Justin Khan, he's one of those, I guess you could say, um, I guess rare, um, I guess pe- peoples of Asian backgrounds who, who have sort of um, been able to um, rise up to, to that sort of position. Um, and I guess that, that brings us um, to our our. I guess next topic here is um, just talking about um, I guess in general um, for because we do want to advocate for uh, we not only want to talk about these inspirational um, people but we also want to sort of empower those who hope to um, make more of of a mark for themselves in terms of um, their own careers or or their own life Um, and and one way we can do that is um, by focusing on um, I guess surpassing um, our, our own limits that sort of um, our societies have uh, placed on us. So mm-hmm. that uh, I guess starts with pointing out the problem here. Um, so I'm sure for those of you who haven't heard of the bamboo ceiling, um, so the bamboo ceiling is just talking about um, Asian Americans or Asian um, Asian uh, British people who have um, sort of this limit um, um, once 
it's it's no problem getting um, that degree or getting a job, but once you're um, once you're in that position, um, you find a significantly lower amount of Asians um, within um, executive positions. So, for example, um, uh, Leap or the Le- Leadership Education for Asian Specifics, um, they found that Asians uh, comprise just of two two percent of executive officers and 2.6 of board members at uh, Fortune Fortune, uh, 500 companies. And that's compared to other minority groups, uh, such as uh, uh, black groups who can um, have 7.4% executive officers in these Fortune 500 companies and 3.3 for Latinos um, in in these companies. Um, So I think it just shows um, how Although um, us Asians, we are we are present in the workplace, but at the same time, we still have this stigma of being the model minority. Considering uh, we have, I guess, not as many uh, leadership uh, positions as um, other uh, uh, minority groups. Um, mm. So absolutely, it's so, like it's like you know you get that stereotype where. I guess Asians are very studious and they go to these very good schools. In fact, like half of the American Asian adults have a bachelor's degree, right? Which is a much higher proportion than, than whites actually. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you're thinking, why isn't this reflected in the workplace in terms of hierarchical positions and, and leadership roles, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like, why, why? And I suppose that's why the bamboo sending kind of came around, right? From, from this author uh, named Jane Huan, uh-huh. uh, spelled H-Y-U-N. Uh, she came out with this book just explaining this phenomenon called the bamboo ceiling. And it's just like a a metaphorical thing or barrier that we perceive as Asians in the corporate corporate world of America. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I suppose it could be in, in the UK as well or, or any other Western um western culture mm. right and a lot of the times um we are sort of i mean even just based on the numbers um we we are can can we are definitely um we are definitely um not perceived as sort of um having that that i guess the uh, I guess attributes to be leaders, or maybe it's just based on our physical appearance. I don't know. Um, that I nah, think that's hey, that's bullshit. <laughs> that that would uh, maybe it's more so to do with um, the attributes, but I mean it's or maybe just the culture difference. I don't know. I think that's something um, that I'm sure that does have plenty of room for research for. Um, but mm-hmm. right. Um, in terms of responding to that though I guess um, so actually um, so I, I've here um, from a um, Hong Kongese American sociologist named Margaret Chin um, she actually advocates for um, sort of focusing not as much on the hard skills um, but more on uh, soft skills to sort of know how to um interact with people in the workplace because um, obviously like being being good at what you do um, is great but as for for all people for say you're really good at I don't know 
making spreadsheets. And that's that's regardless of race, right? If if you focus so much time on doing, I guess, being so excellent at spreadsheets, um, and you become like say say the guy to do that, but at the same the time, go-to. the go to reliable guy, reliable guy, right? And you keep doing that. Obviously, you're you're going you're going to be exceptional at that, and then to the point where like, okay, just let this. A guy or a girl just keep doing what they're doing, and then you know that doesn't really give more opportunities for them, um, say for for leadership growth or for for other positions. Um, so I mean, when it comes to the money, I'm sure like the money is great, but um, in terms of I guess developing as as um, as leaders and for for other positions, that that may mm-hmm. be um, I I don't know if I don't know maybe it's just because sort of it's not as sought after like, like, um, positions and, and, um, and athletes or positions and in, in entertainment for, for Asians. I don't know. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, right. Well, I, I yeah. Think, no. Margaret mentions like, it's being, working hard and being smart is like one aspect of a job. I don't know about you, but like I was sort of raised to think just going to work hard and do your job kind of thing and you'll be fine mm-hmm. and I think in reality is these are just the fundamentals of of uh, of the job the other aspects is like how popular are you how do you interact with the bosses do your bosses like you can you talk informally with people um, do you do you socialize with them after work stuff like that right mm-hmm. these things all these little small things of your job kind of add up and they they might come into play when when it comes to promotional opportunities right yeah no that's that's something i've um i've sort of uh, looked into myself like during um my university years is that um relationships matter so much in in terms of um organizations um whether it's i don't know whether it's banking whether it's healthcare um, whether it's retail, um, mm-hmm. leadership roles, you can, you can pretty much think about it as, as college. So you have your own cliques, certain cliques, um, they, they're able, they have more power than others, so to speak. Um, so those cliques that have more power, if you want to be one of them, it's like you have to develop good relations. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, she she mentions in there quite explicitly, compared mm. with their white counterparts, Asian Americans lacked uh, sufficient social contacts. Uh-huh. So it's you know little chit chats and talking about projects, initiatives. Yeah, um, you got to know those people, right? To apparently rock the boat. Yeah, a little bit, and that sort of goes back to I guess going away from that model minority, where it's just like okay, here's. Um, We'll call him. Here's David. David does everything he's supposed to do. Um, mm. Turns up on time. <laughs> turns up. Turns up on time. Does his work. The basics. Yeah. And then we don't see him anymore on the weekends. Like that's yeah, that's it. That that's it. Like, but to to sort of going back to rocking the boat. If you uh, want to, I guess, um, sort of be noticed at least. It's it's okay to just you know even be more aggressive than you should just just to say like hey i'm here 
um, mm. um, be more so, present, right? In- be, be more present. Um, and sort of, you know, as much as, um, like, as much as I, I, I hate small talk, I, it still is, is a necessity in, in, uh, in the workplace. Cause I'm like, it, it can be especially difficult for, for introverts and, and, um, and ambiverts, depending on, I guess, what you prefer. Um, but, right. For, for, for us Asians, it's like we're all, always sort of categorized as being like, I don't know, within research, um, within, I don't know, academic positions, just because um, we're, we're marked as being um, quiet and studious. But that's, I don't, I think as, as time goes along, and I think as with these anti um, hate crimes, um, as, as these slowly have sort of brought to light, like, uh, we're not specifically these sort of these type of people. It's just yes, our our culture is based in that, but essentially, we're not going to back down. We're, <laughs> we're not. We're not backing down. It just, yeah, as like, what it may look like, who we are is not. You know, we're we're going to demonstrate that that we're not kind of thing. Yeah, we're going to stick exactly. up for ourselves. Exactly. It's like I don't know. It's interesting to be honest how how this was kind of brought up to light is I just think that the culture on terms of the cultural sides I don't know about yourself but for me when I was kind of for me when I was uh, growing up with my parents mm. and you kind of get into an argument or whatnot like you're if you have an if you want to voice an opinion about something it's like disrespect mm-hmm. it, it's a sign of retaliation if you have a different opinion Mm-hmm. Whereas in a workplace, it's like your opinion could affect a lot of the decisions coming up, so they're usually welcomed, mm-hmm. right? And I think for me, it was like if I'm quiet, that's a sign of respect to my boss if I let them talk, right? But in the Western world, it's really not like that. It's like if you don't speak up, we just assume that you're just going to take everything, but you know. <laughs> as it is and uh, kind of do your job follow the instructions blah 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 and, and not have any any side thoughts on things or initiatives mm-hmm. I don't know that's just my experience of like no I think I think that's culture. that's the perfect way to put it um, like I, I still had a, a very um, it was still a very I still had a very I guess Chinese upbringing especially with my grandparents um, but as I I guess as I started to mesh um, more with um, in, in, in middle school and high school, it's like if if you want to be respected um, and you want to, I guess, want to be, I guess, known, um, mm. then then you sort of um, bring to attention who you are, even if it's like, um, even if it's like I remember in in like I don't know in the third grade for Halloween, I, I dress up as Bruce Bruce Lee just because like I knew like, huh. <laughs> based based on like my identity people would you know they would probably welcome it you know they probably like mm. this little outfit even if i don't like it myself um mm. right it's just sort of using those those um those physical appearances um to your own advantage um cuz obviously people there is there is some positive um like stereotypes though 
when pe- certain people see you, they'll be like, oh, this, this guy, <laughs> the, the, the good old, um, the, the good old good at math, uh, stereotype, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. you can use that to your advantage. Like, um, like, yeah, f- for sure. Give me, give me that project. Cause you know, I'm, I'm good with numbers. Yeah, yeah. Even it's sort of about the confidence, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Even if you're average at numbers, people will still think, you know, this guy is good with numbers. Um, Maybe. <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't mess up. As long don't, don't fuck up if if you take that. Um, yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just like it's it's just like in the Western world, you get paid to have an opinion almost in the right company, whereas at home. I was like, if I had an opinion, that's like retaliation as a kid. <laughs> you get the, you would get the stick, the bamboo stick, just yeah, or the slipper <laughs> the treatment. Slipper, or something. <laughs> the slipper. Even if you make a valid point at home, it's like, uh-huh. no, I'm older than you. You live in my house. I feed you. So this uh-huh. is the way it's, it is, huh? Uh-huh. But it it could be also an age thing where in Asia it's like you you got to respect your elders. If they have more experience than you, then they're going to be right 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. But in a workplace, it's like you're not hired to just follow the boss's like pure instructions. Sometimes you have leeway and flexibility to suggest ways of doing something different, or you know, identify something that you could improve upon, right? Because right, or even if it's just like saying your general opinion it's just like I, I've been in situations where like I was like what is that person talking about this has nothing to do with like what we're talking about but it's it's just them speaking up you know so it's, <laughs> it's like yeah yeah I just got back from a trip and and um from like I don't know um Maine and it was great and, we're, and it's like what are you talking about we're like in, we're we're talk- like this is, this is especially the case for, in school it's like participation points you just sometimes you just say like hey I, I went out um, I went out and um, got um, some fried chicken um, over the weekend and then bam you get those participation points in class <laughs> yeah even if what you said was like completely not you know useful it's like well this guy spoke, speaks up right right this guy speaks up he, he you know that's some merit you give some merit to yeah. that person but it's, I mean, it's just, like you said, it's it's just the way things works. Um, it's how, it's how also things a thing works. where, like, maybe Asian Americans don't, um, they try to avoid office politics, but sometimes in corporate America, you sometimes have to play these little games to, to kind of rise up. Yeah, and I'm sure that it's the same case in the UK a little bit. You got to establish of course. Those, those relationships. Like- um but I think another thing um, that, that you mentioned, Joe, that, that could be difficult um, for pe- not only of people with, uh, say, um, like an Asian background, but also from, from different cultures, say you have a culture specifically at home and then at the workplace, right? You have to sort of, mm. um, I guess, flip back and forth. Like, okay, this I'm, I'm in the workplace. Now I, now I got to, you know, put on my... Put on my uh, <laughs> change my personality. <laughs> to, to completely change my personality, just just nah, so nah. so I can you know. But that's like to, that's very normal for um for in in um especially in in uh, U.S. work workplace cultures um in, in Asia I, I know specifically in China um 
it's it's completely normal to just um, be who you are at home and then be the same person at work. Like mm. you could you could talk about food. Um, I don't know, like about your kids um, or just I don't know your interests at work, and they it would be more accepted, say, in at the workplace in, in China. While in the U.S., just in general for people, it's like you there are certain things you talk about and then you don't don't talk about. Yeah, there's there's similar people. It's just that they don't engage in particular topics, basically. Right, like you don't talk about relationships um, in 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 general in, in the Western. <laughs> Uh, sometimes, but generally, I mean, I guess it depends on the work culture too. Oh uh, yeah, if you, you like, you have close friends at at work as well, and you know, during break, you kind of lay into them. Yeah, but in general, it's not like, you know, you don't get too personal. No, there's a limit. Yeah, there's a limit. Um, yeah, it also depends on the organization itself. You know, we can't really generalize. America is like one office type but no this no, tr- trust me this is what at least um based on um based on some 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 uh some graphs that i've seen but obviously like graphs aren't representative of, of um everyone oh yeah um yeah but, depends on your research quality as well <laughs> uh-huh. but yeah it's yeah. an interesting uh <laughs> phenomenon yeah uh, no absolutely especially um I think in terms of, of cultures, like, um, it's, if you see work culture in, in Asia and, um, in Asia, uh, the Western world, um, they obviously are different, um, based on, um, I mean, even between Japan and China, it's considerably, considerably different. Um, mm-hmm. but I guess that's, that's a little, that's off topic there, but right back to these, um, these, um, what we were talking about, how we can sort of break this uh, bamboo ceiling is, um, I guess, focus on, um, not specifically on the hard skills, but once, I guess, maybe in the beginning, sort of um, interacting more with with uh, different people, uh, mm-hmm. no matter, I guess, uh, no matter their background, uh, no matter their their position um mm. Mar- establish a good network right is really important networking that's a huge one um that um some people like because especially in and when, you, when you're in university you're, you're so focused um uh, on getting those good grades uh sometimes um you don't need to focus on on sort of being social um mm. you just need to submit your stuff and crack on and <laughs> move on to the next kind of thing yeah in the workplace is like a continuous cycle yeah so it's it's finding that balance absolutely but right uh for for back to margaret chin here um so she she also advocates for affirmative action programs for um for not only asians but different people of different backgrounds in the workplace and Dating back to say the the uh, the nineties, um, how they can integrate people more uh, better in the workplace, so they can um, um, sort of develop those soft skills and um, sort of hopefully make their way up um, in in um, the uh, mm-hmm. whatever ladder they're they're on in at the workplace here. Um, 
but I think for for Asians, just because we have that culture of um, passivity, um, it's sort of it's definitely ideal to sort of break that stereotype now as uh, as sort of people are sort of I guess testing us a little bit yeah you know, we need to see more of us you know rise up in the workplace and just make some waves make shit happen make some waves speak up know, speak up like throw your computer on the ground like yeah yeah make some noise <laughs> make some noise <laughs> break some nah not physically but you know testify yeah. against things if things aren't right then you speak up and we we no longer need to be those who are quiet in the meetings right we've got to be yeah. asking questions we got to be you know complaining a bit more making some yeah. friends getting <laughs> smashed on the weekends yeah getting smashed on the weekends yeah, even if it's at a at a, at a meeting and just like, <laughs> not like, in the meeting <laughs> getting smashed at meetings let's like you're at a meeting and then all of a sudden i, I think we should have a beer night <laughs> like yeah the more yeah. socially integrated you are i think that's going to benefit you in the long run. Um, mm. Just just from my experience where um, having friendships in the workplace isn't something that can be replaced if, if you are replaced, if you see where I'm coming from. Like if I left my job, who's going to miss me basically? Uh-huh. That's, that's the question I sometimes ask. Like, that's a, that's a good question. That's also just a good life question. Not even, not only in the workplace, but say. Like, who's going to care? Who's Have I made care? any good friends there? Do the, do the bosses care I leave, you know? Are they going to be more worried that they're not going to see me or more worried that they're going to be concerned finding someone who's just as competent as me? Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? You're right. It's and like trying to find the balance. Uh-huh. And even outside of the workplace, like that's something that's... um important to keep tabs on like that's I mean that's that's something it, it, it definitely still applies like because um, sometimes especially it's it's common um, in the US say like you have a different life outside of um, um, your, your work of work that's yeah. okay yeah for 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 some places like it's like work is like you hang out with your work friends um um, and then like the, the, like you just have one, one, um, I guess that, one that one identity sort of, so to speak. <laughs> well, like, I don't know for, for me, I could like, I could, uh, be in sales during the weekdays and then I'm like, I'm like a, I'm like a nighttime DJ on the weekends. Like That'd be cool. that, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's, it's, uh, pretty common in, in, um, in um, the U.S. and I'm sure in, in the Western world, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's common in Berlin. I'm sure Peggy Goo, you know, she, she I'm sure <laughs> she started off like that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's good. All right. Speak, speaking of Peggy Goo, I think you know, as as promised earlier, I think this is a good time to cue her in. Uh, you know, please check her out on Spotify. Um, I hope I hope you uh, feel inspired about her new music. Right. Absolutely. And uh, once again, we want to thank all of our listeners um thank you so much for for um i guess giving us a listen here i hope we we inspired some some people or at least gave you some um goofy laughs um hopefully both 
Um, we're not right. that funny, mate. We're, not, we're funny, but we're not that funny. No, I don't think we can only hope. We can only hope. Yeah. 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 Ho- hope but, there were some good takeaways. We, yeah. we talked about some good leaders and Hopefully. yeah, check out their work for sure. Right. If if you guys have any uh, things to say say to us, feel free to message us on on um, Instagram. That's at one mate dot one dude. Or e- shoot us an email at onemateonedude at gmail.com. In the meantime, though, uh, keep an eye out for our very next uh, episode here. Um, don't be surprised if we have a very special guest on. Um, but right, uh, thank you guys so much again for listening. And take care. Thank you and enjoy the music.